Get out your word this morning. Stay on your feet and get your word out this morning. Amen. Amen. Turn to Hebrews, and uh, we'll read from there the, tw the 11th chapter. And uh, have I lost Mr. Matt? Have I lost him? Someone's pointing toward Mr. Matt. Okay. Uh, Mr. Matt, the keyboard is not Mr. Matt Decker. There. Hebrews 11, um, verse 32. And then we're going to come down to um, read a little bit in 1 Kings, um, kind of where we ended Wednesday night. We're going to pick up and move forward. Hebrews 11 and verse 32. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions. Did you know you were called to stop the mouth of lions? Did you know you were called to stop the mouth of lions? This is your litany. This is your ancestors. Let me just back it up a little bit. You'd be more interested in Alex Haley or who are you, who the stars are. This is who you are. That show where the stars find out who they were, never watched it. This is your roots. Verse 32. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and here's the powerful point, and out of weakness, everyone say weakness, say weakness, were made strong, and out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle and turned flight the armies of the aliens. Lift one hand to heaven. Father, we just welcome your Holy Spirit into this room this morning. We just ask you to speak to us, encourage us, and Holy Spirit, I depend upon you to do what you have predestined and preordered to do in this house. We sequester our minds to hear the word of the Lord. We thank you that you are present, and we thank you for your life-giving word that changes us. We welcome you, Lord. We know many things lay in the balance at times like these, but help us, Lord, to receive from your word. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. You may be seated in his name. Thank you, Matt. Sorry to make you run for such a short, short time. Um, but uh, thank you so much. Do you appreciate Brother Matt? Amen, amen. A blessing. We'll get right into speaking this morning on um, I Need You, Father. I Need You, God. I'm not sure what I'm going to, I've changed this title so many times. But hold me in the palm of your hand. There's an incredible moment in Lord of the Rings for you that don't like Lord of the Rings, that don't know about it, don't worry, you don't have to know anything, but this is just a powerful statement. When little Frodo looks at the great Gandalf and said, I wish the ring had never come to me. Uh, he has suffered such loss and everyone that he loves has been affected by this ring and they're being tempted and driven into a hard place. And he said, I just wish this ring had never come to me. And Gandalf looks at him and he said, and many through time, have wished the times that have come to them had not come as well, but they had to face the times. 
in spite of that. And he says to Frodo, which Frodo rehearses this in his journey, he said, Frodo, it's not the times, but it's what you do with the times that matter. In our moments of our lives, and we're going to look a little bit more at Elijah this morning. If you want to turn to 1 Kings and 18, we're going to pick up where we stopped Wednesday night. If you weren't here, that doesn't matter. And nothing, you didn't miss anything that's going to affect this morning. You missed some stuff, but you're not going to miss anything that's going to affect this morning. But um, we're going to pick up 1 Kings 19. And uh, we find that in our life, at the end of our life, if you're dying and, and people are gathered around you and you've lived a long, wonderful, productive life, and you're laying there very weak in breath and very much a lot not to say, and uh, maybe they're wanting you to expound on something. I want to propose to you and suggest to you that if they asked you to tell about a day in your life, um, the day in your life that you would not tell about would not be the day that you laid around all day watching a marathon of fill in your favorite show. Um, it would not be a day that you just sat by the lily pad. Those, those days are important. I think if you had just a little bit of breath left in you on that day before you go to heaven, you would not rehearse a day that, oh, you rode backwards on a bicycle and jumped over a tire. Come on, somebody. You wouldn't tell about that day, but I believe the day that you would tell about to those gathered around you, first of all, you would tell about the hard days of your life, the days that the times that you found yourself that you didn't know how you were going to get through that day. You, that day was hard. Come on, do I got anybody alive? Or are you all on drugs? Come on. The day that you were alive, the day that you didn't know how you would get through, the day that it seemed like hell was breaking in as Jezebel's going to press into Elijah, the days that you traveled hard up the mountain feeling like no one else was pushing the load. Oh, I know I got a friend in the house this morning. No one was pushing the load with you, but somehow in the midst of that day, somehow in the midst of that season, somehow, Holy Ghost, in the moment that you didn't think you could get through, he got you through. He got you over. He got you up. He couldn't. You couldn't breathe. You couldn't speak. You couldn't think. You couldn't sleep but somehow the power of the Most High God raised you up and got you over. God, that would be the day I would want to tell about it. So when this gray-haired woman, if the rapture doesn't come, and I'm breathing the last few breaths before the end of time, and they say, tell me about a day, it would not be the day I was crowned homecoming queen. Come on, somebody. In 1979, among 3,000 students, and the runner-up ended up being a player. Playboy bunny. Even though that gave great glory to God, I wouldn't tell about that day. I wouldn't tell about the day I was Miss Upland and rode on the top of a Trans Am through the city of Upland, California with Gilligan's Idol's great hero at the front of the parade. I wouldn't tell about the day that I hurt my toe or the day of this. No, I would say with the last breath, that was nothing. But let me tell you what was something. What was something when God got in the middle of life's days and hard moments and God made himself present and he said, Rhonda, I've still got you in the palm of my hand. You may not be able
able to see me on the right. You may not be able to see me on the left. There may be those who have encircled around you. For many are they that say of my soul, there is no help for her in God. But thou, O Lord, are a shield about me. You are the glory and you are the lifter of my head. And that will be the day that I'll be telling others about. Somebody ought to shake Sunday morning off and give God a shout of praise. Those hard, hard days, those days that we subdue kingdoms and we shut the mouth of lions. I know where Pastor Hank's going next Sunday, so I can't trespass, but subduing the kingdom is what we are to do. Uh, the great Mark Batterson writes in his book, Circle Maker, about the time that he traveled in to see the Inca ruins, the ancient ruins of the Incas, and how he signed up for the journey that you walk for three days up the trails. You don't take showers, you don't take baths, you, you just eat whatever has, and by the time you get into the city, which I, I didn't bring the stats, I had all this in my shirt, we mentioned now, but I didn't bring them here this morning. But when you get to the city where the tourists have flown in, come on somebody, where the tourists have come in on their buses after they've eaten two eggs over easy with toast, come on. But he said, us that had traveled the hard way, see, we wanted to see, oh now I know I got somebody, we wanted to see the trail through the eyes of the Incan Indians. So when we got there, we were stinky, we were smelly, we were covered with dirt, our hair was matted. He said there was a fine line a thick line, I should say, drawn between those that climb the trails and those that arrive there by the bus and by the plane. I'm going to tell you, but he said, you know what? Ancient ruins shouldn't be arrived at or easy, and neither should ancient truths. Ancient truths come from Hebrews 11, and these are those who subdued kingdoms, who shut the mouth of lions, who saw their children raised from the dead, who beat addiction, who beat sins, pleasure who beat poverty, who beat what the world said they were. I'm not going to arrive. Come on, somebody. I'm not going by the bus. I'm not going by the plane. I'm not going to be one of those that arrives in heaven looking like I just ate a scrambled egg with my hair combed. Oh, no, I'm going to look as crazy as I do after a praise fest at harvest. I'm going to look as crazy as I do after I preach sweat dripping down my face, my eyes like that cleaving to my sword and Gabriel's gonna say I know you well Rhonda Davis your weakness was made into strength you fought all the way up the mountain you were not of those who gave up but you were those that said I will see this faith and I will see this journey through the eyes of the pilgrims that have already joined in heaven I am of the tribe of those who do not shrink back I belong to a heavenly kingdom Somebody give him praise. Shut the mouth of lions that roar around us. Elijah's in transition. We'll read about him in a moment. Transition is painful. Transition is hard. Transition is messy. We didn't understand it. Our churches in
save it for now. And I gave birth to my second daughter. And the Bible says she was a Grandparents, cousins, my little Josiah straight from Romania was sitting there wiping his tears. My brother who stood behind a curtain said, I don't want to see it, sis, but I want to hear it. But my daddy, who didn't get to go into the birthing rooms with myself or my sister or my brother, was sitting there, and my mama, who, of course, was drugged. I don't know if you know, they knocked women out back in that day. And you woke up and you had a baby. She's in there, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, they've never witnessed the birth of a baby. It was all in, my daughter, Corey. It was all in, and hear the crime, but there was that painful, horrible time when a baby, when Christine didn't want to come out like what she wanted. She didn't know something better waiting on her on the inside. She's being fed and nurtured and cared for. Everything's going in and doctor going in for her. Everything's working for her. It's safe. She can hear mommy's voice. It's a beautiful thing, but all of a sudden stuff There was a moment before she came out that the doctor said, Let's go to the emergency room. God she did and when pushed Christine out and my daddy when he was done Matt so precious he looked at me tears just streaming down his face and he said that is the most beautiful thing I have ever seen and I never want to see that again <laughs> of course he said that was my baby Giving birth. That was my baby passing through death because giving birth is messy. Transitioning into something that we've not been and losing that comfort zone and getting somewhere that we've never been is hard to understand. And what we have to remember is what is before us is greater than what is behind us. And in that, we allow God to push us somewhere we've never been. When this country was in transition, during the time of Abraham Lincoln, and I'm born a northerner, so you southerners who were so racial, I am not one of you, hallelujah. But I was born in Mount Vernon, Illinois, the state of Abraham Lincoln. Go ahead and shout, Debbie. I was born in state, private joke. I was born in that state. But during this country's transition, there was a great orator, Lyman Beecher, the greatest orator in America, a black gentleman. And you would think that his mantle would be passed down to his oldest son, Henry Ward, and it was. But it was a little girl named Hattie that in seasons of transition, 
God spoke to, just like he spoke to Elijah, just like he's wanting to speak to every one of us right now. In the season of transition in our life, in the season of transition of this country, in the season of transition in this city, we are a house of God, Ecclesia, but we're also, Ecclesia is the force of God, but we are a family. Family is we love each other, we support each other and each other, but the Ecclesia side of the house of God is the warring side. It's the side that says you are not going to take prayer out of schools. It is the warring side that says you are not going to ordain same-sex marriages. It's the ecclesi government. See, we've laid down the government and just tried to love everybody. As the church, we are to love as a family, but war as an ecclesia, which means we're the governing party of God in the earth. Come on, somebody. But we're too caught up in being politically right, and we're too caught up in wanting to be like, we all want to be like, I hate it when I get set down by someone like two stewards on an airplane recently that said, we and my glasses are falling off. They were both of another denomination. I can't stand them like that. <laughs> we hate to tell you. And I said, why do you hate to tell me that, boys? Oh, they were both of another denomination. And they said, well, because of all the Christians that are here. I said, well, I don't know what that has to do with it. Jeez. A great woman of God and a beautiful woman of God. Oh, my goodness. I'm so honored to even think I could do anything with her. Besides that, I said, you know, she and I have the same faith and the same beliefs. Besides that, she and I stand. We have the same heritage. We were raised in Pentecost. Besides that, and by the time I got to the last besides that, they're both just staring. And I said, and besides that, I love your cologne. What are you wearing? And in the whole flight, I just continually be kind to them because I realize that they're looking for me to hate them, and that's not what my speech was about. My speech was, I'm con- completely convicted of my beliefs, but I have spent my life in churches of denomination. I am happy among caves. I love to dwell with those who are living in caves of thinking they're hopeless and their situation is hopeless. So don't you mistake me for somebody who does not love the sinner. And don't mistake Sarah Palin for someone who does not love the sinner. But we know as the house of God, we've got to stand for family loves, but family wars. And family believes that any man that is in Christ is a new creature. Everything can go behind us, and every good thing can go before us. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. And this country was in transition. And on a Sunday morning in 1851 during a communion service, this is why I can do this song. I love it. They tell me in presence. I love what Matt ended with to see your face. Because that's where we're going in just a few minutes. During a communion service, Harriet fell into a trance. Like the one preached on in the book of Acts. And it was preaching on old slaves. Listen to that. The vision left her so shaken that she could hardly keep from weeping. She walked her children home from church and she skipped lunch. You see, when you get a moment in the spirit realm, don't let it go. I went to pray through someone's house this week that asked me to pray through their house. I do that occasionally. Can we hire you? You don't have to hire me to be a part of this church. Meets occasionally and, and I bring the big oil, but I didn't. So I went filtering through this person's cabinet and found their oil. And when I walked in to pray, the music was playing. And it's like I was ambushed. I was sabotaged. I found myself on my knees in that kitchen. 
the spirit was stirring. A song was playing that had a lot of impact to me. This person didn't know. And I laid there and I wept. Why am I telling you this? Because there's been moments in my life when God moved and I did not pause. When God gives you a moment, I don't care where you are, turn yourself. When God gives you a moment, I don't care where you are. Everybody else might be at the dinner table, but this woman, she knew God was working in her life. May God give us the eyes and the spiritual understanding to know when he's working to get in. And she immediately started writing down the vision that God had given her. Listen to this. Her words poured from, a, poured from the pen. When she ran out of papers, she found grocery papers. And she continued to write. Don't you tell God you don't got the resources. This woman didn't have enough paper to write a vision. You would think, Leah, that if God gave you a vision, he'd give you paper. Come on, somebody. But he didn't. Listen to what the Spirit of God said. Don't you tell God you don't have enough resources. Don't you tell God you don't have enough resources. Don't you tell God when this happens or that happens. She continued to write on brown grocery paper. When she finally stopped and read what she wrote, she could hardly believe that she had written it. It was nothing short of divine inspiration. And God has divine inspiration by the Holy Spirit that he is wanting to give people in this room right now that will help people in transition, that will change things. And she said she read it, and she knew God wrote the book. She just put the words on paper. In January 1852, a year after Harriet's vision, the 45-chapter manuscript of Uncle Tom's Cabin was ready for publication. The publisher said the book would not sell many copies, but 3,000 sold the first day. The entire printing sold out by the second day. The third and fourth printing sold out before the book was revised. The book publisher didn't think it would sell, but it was in almost every house of America, including the White House. Remember, this vision came after a time of worshiping the Lord. No novel has ever had an effect on the conscience of this country than Harriet Beecher Stowe's vision, Uncle Tom's Cabin. In fact, President Lincoln is reported to have said, so you're the little woman that started the war to free the slaves. No, it was God who started the war to free the slaves. It was God who gave someone the vision. It was God who gave someone the idea. Someone needs to lift a hand to heaven and say, give me a vision that will change the world in Jesus' name. Someone say, so be it, Lord. Oh, but she don't. Oh, but she don't. First Kings 19. Let's read a couple of verses, and then we will end it Wednesday night at about 7 o'clock. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, verse 1, and also how he executed all the prophets of Baal. Elijah had had a standoff with Baal. God had shown up. Huge success. Huge moment of God. Huge moment in our lives when things are just Those moments, if we're not careful, we'll build a monument to it. Instead of going forward to what God wants us to say. Say transition means greater is ahead. He could have stopped on those past successes, and he actually won that battle. He stood off bail. He's had great success. Fire came from heaven. You know the story. He grabbed his tunic and he ran and he fled. Literally. 
and the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you. That's not what it says. It says, in verse 3, he hears that Jezebel says, I'm going to kill him. Right now. I'm going to kill him. By this time, they're already dead. Jezebel's That's that voice that says to whatever mean customer you have, don't go to them. Go to Facebook. Wow, I'm surprised lately. People can send bogus emails about how much your church wrong them. People can do amazing things. And most all of them are very dumb. And a lot of times people don't, don't know what they're doing. God taught me a long time ago to stay on my knees and cover people. And pray for them. I stayed on knees this church until I couldn't pray for them anymore. Because they were just begging me to throw a gun at them. Jezebel has a horrible thing and she wants to kill the work of God. But she does it in the name of God. Which makes it worse. And in the name of Baal, her God. And it says that verse 3, And when he saw that, he heard it, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba which belongs to Judah, and left his servants there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father. Say, this is the same man. Come on, say, this is the same man. What he's really saying is, God, I need to know you're holding me in the palm of your hand. I need to know that what is ahead of me is greater. God, I've had these great successes. Stood off bail. I saw your glory, the way you've used me, and the way you've used this mantle that you've given me, which to us is symbolic of the presence of the Lord on our life. The Spirit of the Lord. He sits down and he says, It is enough now, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under the broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Now look up. You can leave it there for a moment. When he says, take my life, what he's saying is, I think I'm done. I think that I, I need to know, really a cry was, I need to know that you're with me. I don't know if you ever went out in a lake and you were swimming and, um, and, and you thought this happened to me so many times with pastor or at the lake or my daddy and you're just, you're just dog paddling like crazy and you feel like you're about to give up. You know, you can only dog paddle for so long and you feel like you're sinking and you're going to give in. And, and many times a pastor are swimming across a great place. He'll say, just stand up over in the beach in Hawaii. He'll say, just stand up. I said, no, no, no. I got to keep dog paddling. He goes, Rhonda, stand up. We're on shallow ground. Stand up. And all of a sudden you go, oh, I knew that. I knew that. I was just practicing the skills for some Mediterranean swim. Come on, somebody. That's what Elijah felt right then. He felt like he was sinking. He felt like that he wasn't sure that better was ahead of him because as we talked Wednesday night, things didn't go the way he had hoped they would go. Things didn't look the way he thought they would look, but he was in transition what God had planned for him in about four chapters is mind-boggling. It only happens once in the Word. But he doesn't know that. It's messy. It's dark. He can't see. He doesn't know that what ahead of him is more. So he prays that God will take him. 
He doesn't know that the way God is going to take him, that God had already circled a day on the calendar, and how what God was going to do was going to be beyond anything he could imagine. But in this moment, all he can see is messy and painful and dark. I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish this ministry had never come to me. I wish this job had never come to me. I wish this marriage had never come to me. I wish this promise, I got an answer from anybody in the house, had never come to me. I wish this promise had never come to me that God was going to bless me in these times like little Frodo hoping the ring watching people suffer and people hurt. I wish this promise of a better life had never come to me. I wish this promise of financial restitution had never come to me. I wish this promise of greater days had never come to me. That's what he's saying. So I really want to die. I really want to go on because I can't perceive that anything beyond me is better We all have found ourselves there, not only when we've done great exploits, but have we not found ourselves there in moments of great failure? Everyone say amen, so nobody. Great failures, great mistakes, great sin. Oh, God, just take me on. Just take me on because this battle that is waged against me or this thing I'm trying to overcome where I find my life is too much. Just take me, let me keep going. The angels feed him in verse 6. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat. The journey's too much for you. And so he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights. Now that's a dinner I'd like to have, Deborah Hickey. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and, he, and the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. I've been very zealous for you. What are we saying? Is I've worked so hard. And this is, let me just take this to where you are. I've carried this load for so long. I've been the main breadwinner for a long time, God. You know that, right? I've been the predominant one taking care of the children and grandchildren. You know that, right? I've been working so hard while no one is working hard. I've been the one that has been praying while everyone else has been sitting around eating bonbons, watching TV. Come on, everybody. I have been the one who's doing everything. I'm the one. I'm I'm overwhelmed, and I don't know what to do. I've been believing for this promise for a long time, but I don't know if you notice this is what Elijah says, and I'll make it real to where you are. Jezebel is still alive. You gave me great success. That was an amazing church service. We saw you. We heard you. But then here we are once again, and that enemy or that problem is not solved. That situation is not moved. In fact, sometimes, as we said Wednesday night, low times wouldn't be so bad if we hadn't had such a high time right before. Come on, somebody. When we thought we were cruising over the hill. Come on. As a country, when President Bush was president, we thought we had it. Those first few years, praying man. No, he wasn't perfect. Are you? Praying man who lived by faith. We thought we had it only to find ourselves followed in by someone who's going to authorize same-sex. And I'm not speaking against our president. I pray for our president, but I am against same-sex marriages. And so we find ourselves that anytime we've had something big followed by something low, I wonder, would the low have been so bad if it had been followed by a bunch of lows? I don't know what I don't want to find out. Look at your neighbor say, I don't want to find out. But it makes it hard. Elijah's going to find out that he's standing on 
the promise of God. On that old hymn, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. There's moments when the walls of Jericho seem around us. In this moment, the walls of discouragement and distress. And I don't know how I can go on or I'm tired or I don't have enough money or I don't know that I can make this all the way. God has supernaturally fed him. Preservation is a sign that God still knows where you are. In Elijah's loneliest moment, God fed him in the first part of his life by ravens and by the brook Cherith. In this moment, God sends an angel. I want to tell you, we'll get to this Wednesday night, there are moments that angels came into your room when you were going to cut your wrist and end it all. That angels came into your room when you said, I can't get out of bed in the morning. There are moments in your life when angels came when you were so weak from carrying the news you had just heard. You didn't know if you were crazy, you could sleep. You didn't see them, but the Lord of hosts, who is the Lord Sabbath, sent his ministry angels they came they touched your brow they fed you spiritually you didn't see them you didn't know it but you got up the next morning and said I think I can go on come on somebody because grace does for you what it cannot do you can't do for yourself we see this and we see his life and God shows this to us so that we'll know what happens in our life. In the Bible when it says, because he's thinking, is there any good ahead of me? And he's saying everything that he's done, everything that's happened. And God, I just want to know I've sacrificed. I've carried the load of this family. I've got everybody to church. I ain't talking about me. I'm trying to read your mind. I've got everybody to church when nobody wanted to go to church. I've lived by myself without much help. I've worked hard. I've done this. I've done that. I've carried it, Lord. And I want to know, God, do you know where I live? Do you know what I've done? Do you know how heavy my shoulders seem to be? And what God is going to say to him in a moment, I know where you are. I know where you've been. I know who you are. And I still hold you in the palm of my hand. It's my hand that's pushing you forward. And it's my hand that's going to get you there. Oh, somebody give him a Sunday morning praise. Faithful God. Faithful God. Micah Heath, he knew Jezebel was hunting him. He didn't know. God just tells him real quick, all these people are for you. You know one thing I think about? I always want to say, Pastor Todd, you know I do because we talked about this. How do you miss 7,000 people that believe the same way you do? Elijah says he's the only one, but God says I have 7,000 who have not bowed to Baal. How do you miss that? How do you miss that many people? How do you miss that that many people are carrying the load with you? I have a thought. Seth, maybe those people... Didn't, didn't let him know that they were in his corner. Maybe those people's voices were quieter than the Jezebel that was saying, I'm going to take you out. I've learned to express my encouragement to people and to say, I'm with you. I'm beside you. I'm for you. God is going to finish his work. It may not be said to me the way I want to, but I'm not going to sit under a broom tree and wait to die. I'm going to seed with my words. I'm going to seed with my encouragement. I'm going to give what may 
may not be given to me because my voice can outlast and go louder than any Jezebel in the land, any voice of hopelessness, any voice of doubt, any voice of discouragement. My words anointed with you can go through and arrive will make the difference. Somebody praise him. If you're visiting this morning, come back next week. The crazy lady will be sitting down here. He knew Jezebel was hunting him. But Matt Hicks, he forgot Psalms 23, though David said, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow. That word follow in the Hebrew is a hunting term. Surely goodness are hunting me down to bless me and not to harm me. I live with a hunter. I see their crazy games, their toys. I hear turkey calls. My husband dresses up to entertain me in the front door looking like a moving tree. I watch him as we're driving down the road, any road. You can name that town, any town. That's not me anyway. Um, you go down that road anywhere with Pastor Hank, and he'll say, look to your right quickly. And he has spotted three deer way back. I mean, how anybody sees that, but he's a hunter. Guess what? Surely goodness is hunting me down. No matter where I make my bed, Melissa. The psalmist said, if I make my bed in hell, you hunt me down to find me. If I ascend into the heavens, you hunt me down. If I say there's no breath in me, I'm done. Surely goodness and mercy hunts me down. They know where I am. Jeremiah 33 says, the day shall come when I will do all the good that I have promised you. Matt, come help me. You see, if we never have those, this is crazy moments. Seth, this is crazy moments means only God could do this. If we never have this is crazy moments, we never have this is awesome moments. This is crazy moments. Believing, and I'm not done. Stay with me. Just want him to play for these, these last 10 to 12 minutes. This is crazy moments. Crazy moments set you up for this is awesome. We've been talking about a folklore on Wednesday nights. You can't always, no, wait, how's it go, guys? You can't never always tell. It's an old folklore. Somebody say, you can't never always tell. Like I said to one of my northern friends, well, we don't know him more than Adam's house cat. She said, who is Adam's house cat? I said, I don't know, but grandmother used to say it. Yeah, people like, where is Adam's cat? What happened to that poor little creature? But that means anything can happen at any time when you're with God. You can't never always tell. Anything can happen. Anything. Oh, we spend our lives worrying and vexing and being entrapped by fear of all the negative that can happen when this loving God says anything can happen. We try to think of scrambling the 26 letters of the alphabet into some kind of abracadabra to get God's attention. That does work. But desperation of desperados is what gets God's attention. God is impressed with roof crashers. That'll crash a roof to get someone into his presence. God is impressed with people who crash parties.
climb trees. Desperados. Holy desperation. To get to God. You can't never always sometimes tell anything could happen. And problem is sometimes we run out of our hang in there. You know, hang in there didn't make it in the Ten Commandments. But it did make it in to the fruits of the Spirit. Macro through Mesia. Say that three times real fast and impress someone. It means long. Everyone say long. Suffering. Hang in there. Might be your word of the day. The cheetah is so amazing. He's so fast. Can't think what he was clocked at. I told her Wednesday night crowd this. 70 miles per hour. He's so fast. He jumps at his prey and he's like, Phew. there he went. But his problem is he has a disproportionately, that word, small heart compared to the rest of his body. So he gets tired easily. He could he eat anything, and God probably did that so the whole jungle would not be delivered by him or eaten up by him. But with you and I, we rush to claim a promise. We rush to the altars when the wukabuchuka comes. Come on, somebody. We rush. But where's that longevity? Where's that stay with the journey till the journey's done? Where is that? That's what he is saying to Elijah. He says, Elijah's telling all this. He says, go and stand on the mountain before the Lord, which was Mount Horeb. And it says that Elijah took his mantle and he covered his face. This was symbolic, Robert, of everything that God had done in his life and through him. And he covers his face as if to send some kind of signal to the Most High God. Do you know who I am? Do you know where I am? Am I still? And everyone, if they can just stay right here in the sanctuary, let's just keep movement to zero right now. Unless there's an emergency. Do you know who I am? Do you know where I am? Can you do for me, God, what I need done? So he hides himself. And you know that's where the thunder comes, the lightning comes, and God wasn't in it, but God was in the whisper of Elijah. Elijah. What he said to him is an essence of what I want to say this morning to not repeat what we said the other night or anything else I had up here that I didn't get to. I know where you are. I'm holding you in the palm of my hand. You can't lose heart. Elijah, I've already circled a day, and he tells him, I want you to anoint three people, a prophet and two kings. And he says this, anyone who escapes by the sword of this king, Jehu will get. And anyone who escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will get. What he's saying is, I have a plan here. You've been in a period of darkness, traumatic, painful, not knowing what was coming out of your life. It seems life was just a little messy, and you wondered, is there more ahead of me that's better than that which is behind me? And God is saying like he would push a baby out of a womb. Elijah, I'm pushing you to greater glory. I've circled a day that your enemy 
will be killed. I've circled a day when Jezebel's demise. In fact, it'll be by the sword of Jehu. He'll ride into the city and Jezebel will be thrown down and killed. But Elijah, I want you to know I've not forgotten you. And guess what, brothers and sisters? The Holy Spirit wants you to know he has not forgotten you this morning. And if you're thankful, give him a hand so we can get to where we need to go. I'm holding you in the palm of my hand. I'm directing your life. I know he's got the whole world in his hand. Learned that when I was three. But does he have me in the palm of his hand? I want to subdue kingdoms in his name. But this, as we said Wednesday night, this child needs to know she's a warrior. Yeah. And this warrior needs to be reminded she's a child. To know you've got my life. Holy Spirit, in the palm of your hand. I need to know. You see, God gives him preservation. He says, I've always looked, already looked ahead of you. You're, you. You aren't there yet. You just got there to this moment. Everyone say this moment. God circles a day on the calendar, our great circle maker, of when provision comes. I wish, Mish kid, that provision always came in truckloads, but it usually doesn't. Provision comes day to day. Moment by moment, strength comes in the morning. New mercies come in the morning. I wish all the things that we've needed through this season, as we were sharing with Marcus Monday night and just really being honest with him about everywhere we were, and he was speaking to our life. And I said, but God has been faithful. It's not coming truckloads. But every moment we thought we were pushed back, and I know I'm talking to you too, and about to fall, the Lord sustained us. You see, preservation says if you're still breathing and you're still alive, you may not have the Cadillac, but the bicycle will get you to when you get the Cadillac. Come on, somebody. If you're alive today, you may not say, I don't own a home. But if you're renting a home and there's rent for that house today, then in these times, God is bringing preservation. And preservation says, I'm not done with you yet. I'm not through with you yet. You are not forgotten. You can say, yeah, but it seems so little. It seems like sometimes it's not enough. It may not be all that you want. But listen, restoration says God gives you back what the enemy stole from you. Restoration says the years that you've lost. Restoration of God says the suffering. But listen, everyone say restitution. Restitution is coming to Elijah. Restitution is like I told one of my business friends this. I, was, I coached some business people. And I said, restitution is like you laying all your receipts out on the floor for a company. You've worked for them for years, and you just throw them all out there where you've used your own money to do things. Restitution says that God comes in and sees everything. Come on, somebody. Restitution says, I'm not just restoring back what you lost. I'm giving you everything you spent of your time, of your energy, of your love, of everything. I'm giving it back. Someone say glory. And for Elijah, as we get to end, God says, Elijah, I've got something better. You're asking for me to take you, but restoration says, I'm giving you back what you lost. But restitution involves punitive damages for losses sustained over time. 
In other words, if you've been ripped off by your adversary for many years, the justice of God demands you be compensated for more than just the original loss. Justice will not be satisfied until it all comes back. Job lost all of his children. Job lost his health. Job lost his house. Job lost his reputation. But when God came in, the restoration of God gave him more children. The restoration of God gave him a new house. But guess what? The restitution of God said, no, Lord, you've got to give him more. There's a lot of suffering and a lot of carrying the burden for a long time that's gone on here. And God said, you're right. So I'm going to show Job myself in a whirlwind. I'm going to give him a revelation of who I am. And that revelation will change nations. Somebody stand before I end and give God praise. Come on, someone stand and give God praise. God had Elijah in the promised land. God has you now. God did take Elijah up in a whirlwind. Chariots of fire separated him and Elisha so that Elisha couldn't get near the man of God. You want to know today, does God know everything? Does God know where you live? Does God know the deliverance, the encouragement, the strength, the finances that you need? God in that moment to me puts on a great portrait for every one of us in this room. He says, I know. I've got you in the palm of my hand. Let me push you through this dark transition time of wherever you are. Because I've got greater glory. He didn't take Elijah up. He didn't listen to his, his things of, I can't do this. I can't take this. Elijah was overwhelmed in drama. Let me tell you something, honey. Drama's everywhere. Go work at Walmart. You say you don't want to help people? Well, go mow a field. You'll be with your own drama. Drama is everywhere. Mess is everywhere. Things are funky everywhere. Wherever people live and breathe, I've heard people say, I don't want to be in ministry. Too much drama. I don't want to help people. Too much drama. Baby, there ain't nowhere. Go crawl in a hole. You'll be living with your own self and your own drama. It's everywhere. But greater glory was coming. God says, do you want to know if I know? I know. Elijah, greater glory. Painful and dark. Just like little Christine, you don't want to come out and see what the world has and you don't understand what's going on why something beyond yourself is pushing you pushing you pushing you into a greater understanding pushing you into greater forgiveness pushing you into greater love pushing you into greater strength you see Elijah should have had everyone tell him I'm with you but they didn't everybody was concerned with what was going on in their own life but the Lord strengthened Elijah and there are moments when we get into that place and when we think all we can write the names of people who should have stood, who should have showed up, who should have been there, but weren't. But in that moment, like Paul, he said, at my first defense, no one came and stood with me, but the Lord himself stood with me. You may feel today that no one is standing with you. No one is encouraging you. No one is furthering what God has given you. Fight for your own purpose and let the Lord stand with you. I didn't get to this place or anywhere I'm at by depending on others to stand with me because people come and go. They get preoccupied and get fickle. But the Lord himself will 
purpose. 